Hello and welcome to the Fuel and Thrive podcast. I'm Meg, also known as Fit Foodie Feed on Instagram, and I'll be bringing you weekly discussions about all things health and fitness. My goal is to equip you with the knowledge and the confidence to make empowered decisions so that you can achieve the results that you've always wanted whilst living a happy life. So without further ado, here is today's episode. I had a few questions today. So, um, first question... I have been trying to up weight on barbell back squats, but find I don't go quite as low as I do in a bodyweight squat. Should I keep the weight as it is and focus on depth rather than a shallower squat with heavier weight? Um, <coughs> sorry, so I'll answer that one first. Um, second question, how accurate is the body fat and other metrics, uh, other things on scales? Um, third question is about how some people can go without eating all day and some people... Um, are hungry immediately when they wake up or whether that's normal whether you can change it etc etc and question four is about if you are unwell and if you can't work out or do steps should you drop your calories or or adjust anything there so um i'll start with the first question I'm just gonna have a drink okay i've been trying to up the weight on barbell back squats but find i don't quite go as low as i do in a body weight squat should i keep the weight as it is and focus on depth rather than a shallower squat with heavier weight I would say yes, keep the weight as it is and focus on depth. You want to be getting below parallel, so having your hip crease below your knee joint. Um, that's what's kind of clusters. I mean, that's what's clusters a full squat if we're talking in like powerlifting terms or any sort of like competition where you'd have to be doing squats. That would be kind of the the standards that you'd be expected to to me um and i would just say just for general strength and general optimal muscle growth and strength improvements um is to get as as much range of motion as you possibly can um so i would just say to to take it a little bit slower in terms of increasing your weight but make sure that you are um getting past that sticky point i think often people find that they the way down is fine and then when they come to go up they kind of get to a point where they're like oh god this is where i fail but i think um you've got to get used to having the safety bars out. So if you're squatting in a barbell rack, um, you should be able to adjust the safety bars, which go either side of where your barbell would go down to. So just start with a, um, a squat with the barbell on your back, just an empty barbell and see where you go down to and then just have the bars just below that height so that if you do get stuck at the bottom and you think, oh God, I can't stand this up, then you're able to kind of drop um, drop the bar backwards and dip under it and you've dropped it safely then um, but really I'm sure it is just a case of being confident enough because I think sometimes as you're kind of descending in the squat you get to that point that is about parallel and that's when you kind of think like oh god I feel unstable here so I think it's just a case of like working through that little sticking point that that you find is where you often fail um, I think most people tend to have that same kind of sticking point around where the parallel um, where you hit parallel so yeah, I would just say to to build it up slowly um, and, well, yeah, just progressively overload, but just keep your expectation of the movement the same um, regardless of the weight that you've got on the bar. So you, you your air squat might look a little bit different to a barbell back squat just because obviously with a with a back squat, you've kind of got some weight to counterbalance your weight a little bit. Um, so it might be that you lean a little bit further forwards when you're doing a bodyweight squat, for example, but um, it should look pretty similar in terms of where you come down to. So I would say um, use the safety bars, but push past that sticking point and um, really try and be hit in a full range of motion. Like you see lots of people that um, go for like a big back squat PB and, and they're not quite doing their usual squat, like full range of motion. So yeah. The more range of motion you can get, the better, really. Um, and that's going to be more optimal for muscle growth and strength. And just think about like when you are 
you know, standing up off the, off the sofa when you're old or like if you want to kind of duck down to play with your kids or your grandkids you know you're going to be better if you've kind of practiced building the strength within a larger range of motion question two how accurate is the body fat and other things on the scales um so yes these smart scales are interesting they measure things like your fat your muscle mass your bone density your hydration levels and things like that um i would say not very accurate um, I know that some gyms and places, I mean, I'm sure some people have them in their homes, but definitely not me. Um, there's some that do, that are often in gyms that are like cost thousands of pounds. And I would imagine that they are somewhat more accurate than the typical ones that you can buy off Amazon for 15 quid. Um, but I would just say they're not very accurate. And I would also just say like, why do you need to know? Um, obviously, like when I'm encouraging you to look at various different metrics of progress like you could class that as one metric of progress but I think when you've got like your body weight as one metric you've got how you feel as another one you've got how your clothes are fitting as another one you've got measurements with a tape as another one you've got photos as another one I kind of think what's the point in knowing your muscle mass I think you can kind of it's going to be more accurate coming from like photos measuring tapes etc because um I also think what's the point in knowing that you have that fat loss is going down and your muscle mass is increasing if you um if you don't actually see it if that makes sense but I guess you could argue that for um using scale weight as a metric of progress as well um although the purpose of that is just to determine whether you're in a deficit maintenance surplus etc so I would just say I personally don't look at them don't pay attention to them um I, when I've seen other people do it, like lots of people's scales will just kind of sync with the app that I use. So I often see people's body fat levels and it tends to literally go in exactly the same like correlation as um, their weight does. So I think just for the standard kind of like scales and stuff that you get, as your weight is dropping, your uh, body fat levels are dropping at exactly the same rate. So I just personally don't think they're very accurate. Um, I have looked into them a little bit just to kind of see how they work because I'm obviously just curious as to how they how they do work um and i mean it's it's a what's it called a bioelectrical impedance analysis so it sends an electrical impulse through your body but it doesn't go around your whole body so it doesn't determine where you store body fat i'm pretty sure in most cases i think there's some way you can hold something in your hand while standing on those scales but most of the time it sends a signal up your leg across your pelvis and down the other leg so it it's not measuring body fat across your whole body and obviously more health concerns come from when there's a lot of body fat stored around like your midsection for example like that's more of an indication for lots of kind of diseases and things like that so that's one of the kind of drawbacks um but the way it works is it, it kind of measures the resistance as it travels up your legs um the resistance from different like tissues and substances and stuff um and the idea is that fat offers more resistance than things like water and all that kind of stuff so um but it, I mean I just it doesn't take into consideration your height I mean some of them do some of the scales but more often than not it doesn't take into consideration your height and your weight which um I think is quite uh, sorry it just obviously take into consideration your weight but it doesn't take your height into consideration which like your or your leg length and if it's kind of traveling up your leg across your pelvis and, pelvis and down the other one the longer it takes if it's kind of measuring it based on the time that it takes to send that signal up your leg across your pelvis and down the other leg like someone with longer legs it's obviously going to take longer <laughs> um so yeah maybe that's just my lack of knowledge around this area because i haven't looked into it too much to be honest but um yeah the idea is that the greater resistance you higher the higher your body fat levels i suppose as long as you're using the same 
pair of scales to determine it like it a consistent measure is going to kind of indicate if it is going up or down but I just think they're pretty I, I I just struggle to see how they can be that accurate especially when they only cost 10 to 15 pounds so um I just personally wouldn't base attach any feelings towards it really um and yeah like you know and you can tell and you will know if you are if you have a high body fat percentage and if you have a low body fat percentage um and I think the numbers are very like arbitrary numbers similar to scales and like BMI and things like that like scale weight BMI whatever it's not always like the most accurate and you can people can be clusters overweight on the BMI scale but not actually be overweight it could just be that they they have a high amount of muscle mass or they're just heavy um and yeah a lot of these metrics you've got to take well all of these metrics you have to take with a pinch of salt and even things like photos and measurements like you can there's always going to be kind of factors that you have to consider with those and that do kind of affect the accuracy of them um so yeah i would say if if you want to use it like there's probably no harm in it as long as you're using it consistently and not kind of getting upset by by what it's telling you um but yeah, just take it with a pinch of salt. And um, if somebody goes around telling you, I'm at this percentage body fat, like just be like, okay, mate, cool. <laughs> I also think with fitness watches, like they they are, uh, yeah, just not that accurate. Like obviously what gets measured gets improved, I think. And if you are consistent with the same, using the same thing to measure something, like it is obviously going to show progress or a decline or an incline or whatever it is. It's going to give you a trend and a pattern. But I do think like I have, I used to have a Fitbit and whenever I, I'd be driving and it would burst saying 10,000 steps. And it's like, I have not stepped anywhere. So clearly like they're not the be all and end all of all it obviously generally shows movement which is good and if it's going to encourage you to move more great but um when I got my Garmin I, I realized that it was a lot harder to hit the typical 10,000 steps wearing a Garmin watch versus wearing a Fitbit watch which was interesting um I think Fitbit tends to kind of be a bit more generous with giving you your steps so when I um used to be like in a competition group with people measuring their steps and I'd be like I don't want to be in it now I've got my Garmin because I know if I had a Fitbit I'd be doing more which is ridiculous but um yeah I do just think they are not the most accurate and also um even my Garmin now does still buzz when I'm like cooking dinner or something when I'm not actually doing steps. So it's, um, yeah, they're just, there's nothing wrong with utilising these tools, but you've just got to not be too hung up on any of them. Okay, so Sophia said, I have friends that can go till say 4pm without eating anything as they are just not hungry or haven't thought about eating. Whereas if I don't have breakfast as soon as I wake up or eat my three meals a day and snacks, I feel so hungry and sometimes faint. She put a laughing face. I don't know if you mean you actually faint or if you just feel faint. I'm hoping it's just that you feel faint, um, the lesser of two evils. But please do let me know if you are fainting regularly, in which case I think you should go to the doctor. But um, yes, <laughs> let me know, please. Um, is this to do with metabolisms, etc., or is there an element of training your body to just eat and not eat, which then affects your hunger? So I think, like you've said, there is an element of training your body. Um, and it's not a case of like, you have to have your body under a strict training regime because there's nothing wrong with eating and food is not the enemy. So we should not be trying to actively train our body out of feeling hungry. Um, it is great if you can feel these hunger cues and respond to them. Like, I think it's very important to do that. Um, and yeah, food is not the enemy. And if you thrive off three meals per day and snacks, that's great. But then I guess if you are feeling faint, then you're probably not 
totally thriving and there is room for improvement. So yes, listen to all of these, please. <laughs> um, so yeah, there is an element of being able to kind of like change it just because of your circadian rhythm and your body clock. And um, obviously, you know, your body is very, your body clock is like so clever and it really will kind of like take in so many different cues from your surroundings. Um, there's also things like, you know, when you smell something, you feel hungry, like and it, it, that obviously is a separate matter and lots of people experience that but um yeah there's definitely I think if you were to just totally cut out breakfast which I am not suggesting you do but I think if you were to do that um I think you would probably just find that you don't really want breakfast um and personally like I've always been someone that's been like oh god I would faint if I didn't eat straight away when I get up but actually sometimes now that I work from home and don't feel like I must eat before I go to work physically um I quite often do get on a roll with something, say, from like 8 to 11 a.m. And then it gets to 11 a.m. And I'm like, oh, God, I need to eat. I haven't eaten. But I guess when you just sat there literally in a zone at a computer, like you're not going to be you're not going to massively notice if you are a little bit low on like the energy side of things. So um, I think you've got to consider different people's like habits, um, different people's upbringings as well. Like if you're brought up to not eat much for breakfast or to have big meals in the evening some people have big meals in the evening some people are big snackers and like to eat lots of snacks throughout the day and smaller meals some people just like their digestion system systems work best that way some people prefer bigger meals um I was being someone last week who said that they eat they follow the kind of like I think it's like Chinese medicine and it's like um breakfast like a king what's it called lunch like a princess dinner like a pauper or something like that um and it's to do, oh, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but it's to do with like your body's like focus on different parts of your body um, at different times through the day, which I don't know, it's just quite interesting. But personally, I like to have a big meal in the evening, um, but then I all, am also hungry throughout the rest of the day and do eat substantial meals then as well. So I think, yes, so you, I'm waffling here, aren't I? Um, so yeah, your circadian rhythm does affect it and you probably could train yourself out of eating certain meals or you could train yourself to um yeah not not be particularly hungry until a little bit later but I think not eating until 4 p.m is a little bit ridiculous and I think it is worth I'm not like hating on anybody here but I think you know when people say they forget to eat I almost think some so there's there's two kind of people types of people right but yeah um there might just be some people that are just less bothered about food like my boyfriend Billy he um he loves food and he loves eating and he does eat like a horse to be fair but a lot of the time like I think he could very easily go all day without eating and he'd be fine whereas for me my stomach would be growling I would be feeling faint and things like that if I was to not eat so I do think some people are just different and that just is the way it is um and I'll come on to like blood sugar levels and stuff in a moment um but I also think you've got to take what people say with a pinch of salt as well because um you know these people that kind of say oh my god I forgot to eat oh my god I haven't eaten all day like I kind of think don't show off about that hun like I just think it doesn't help um I also think there could be some element of almost like confirmation bias you know like if somebody is intentionally trying to eat less than them telling themselves like I just don't get hungry in the morning like might be them all almost trying to like convince themselves that that is the case because they feel that that is necessary to be reducing their calorie intake etc so um yeah I think that's something to consider as well the other thing to consider, I already mentioned like meal sizes, but like obviously if you eat a large meal in the evening, then you might find that you're just not as hungry in the morning. Um, but I just really do think 
when these kind of things, so much of it just comes down to like personal preference. And I remember going around to like somebody's house for dinner when I was younger and like having, being given a dinner and being like, I'm, that is that it? Like, <laughs> I'm still really hungry. Um, and all my friends are going, oh, I'm so stuffed, I'm really full. And I'd be like, that that's bonkers to me. Like I, and I've found over the years that I do have to eat more than other people and that is okay. Um, and I do myself to be quite lucky for that, but it took me a long time to t come to terms with it. And for a long time, I just thought I was greedy. And I just thought, um, yeah, I just thought I was greedy and I was just um, eating too much um, because I'd have more than like the general recommended serving sizes and things like that. But general serving sizes are such, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a an average, it's a typical amount. And, you know, a, a typical serving size of cereal, say it's 200 calories, for example, that's not like if you have breakfast lunch and dinner like breakfast 200 calories lunch a typical serving size might be 400 calories and dinner a typical serving size might be 500 calories for example that's 1100 calories for the day not many people only need to eat that amount <laughs> so um maybe like babies yeah but um yeah i just think lots of people need to eat more than they think they do and i think you need to allow yourself to eat more than you think you do because the chances are it probably is just genuine hunger and you do need to eat a bit more um if you are having like regular kind of dizzy feeling faint spells um there is also low blood sugar levels or hypoglycemia sometimes called um that's when your glucose levels like drop below a certain threshold which can be caused by skipping meals um or avoiding carbs um but typically this is obviously in people with diabetes so if these things kind of sound like you know if all the other things don't seem to ring true to you but you are still feeling this way or if you are actually physically fainting then I definitely would say go see the GP um but yeah so it, it's quite uncommon for your blood sugar levels to be dropping a lot in people without diabetes but it, it is possible um there is also such thing as reactive hypoglycemia which is when your body releases too much insulin after eating you know if you have a meal or like a serving of food that is very high in simple carbs and not very balanced with proteins and fats and stuff um then that can cause dizziness as well but so yeah i'd just say make sure that all of your meals are pretty balanced and you get in a source of protein source of carbs and a source of fats in there um try and opt for like complex carbs and stuff and remember that carbs are fuel and energy for your brain and your brain needs um needs food to be functioning um so yeah i would just say if yeah if you're not eating enough it could just be that you've got like inadequate glucose stores um, in which case, eat more, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, Sophie, in your situation, like if any of this is causing confusion, please just drop me a message and we'll talk about it a little bit more. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. I'm not even a dietitian or anything. So I um, don't want to go like making any assumptions, but um, I can talk to you about it a little bit more. Um, but just to kind of come back around to like it could well be to do with all of those things, um, but it could also just be to do with your focus on food. So if you are somebody that is very hyper fixated on food or hyper aware of food, or if you're someone that's restricted a lot in the past or you're restricting a lot at the moment, like that can really increase your focus on food. Um, and I do quite a lot of work with like clients in general about reducing their food focus, particularly if weight loss is the goal because lots of people get really fixated on food and they'll you know you get to the end of the day and if they're tracking their food they might be like I need to squeeze out every calorie what shall I have what shall I have and they just they spend 
all day thinking about the next snack, the next meal, like about food. And I am a food lover. And like I said earlier, I've always thought I'm quite greedy, but I think actually I just need quite a lot of food. And I just love food. I love eating. I'm a foodie. Um, Billy argues and says that I'm not a foodie because I don't like like shellfish and like exotic things like that. He says he's more of a foodie than me, but I would argue I'm a big foodie because I love food and I get excited about food and just thinking about what I'm having for dinner gets me excited. And yeah, anyway... <laughs> if you are somebody that has quite a lot of like focus on but yeah sorry coming back to that point about me like I love food and I get very excited about food but it is not on my brain all day because I've worked really hard to kind of develop food freedom and come away from being really fixated on food and that a lot of that has come from like honoring the things that I fancy and um allowing myself like giving myself permission to eat foods that I used to think were bad and I used to have to avoid and things like that so I think when you remove restrictions around food and you just kind of like clear up brain space so that you're not constantly thinking about food that can really help as well so like you might think um you might wake up thinking about food and it might well it could genuinely be just genuine physical hunger and if that is the case you probably are just someone that needs to eat more than others or it needs to eat a normal amount you know your friends that are happy not eating till 4pm might just be people that don't they don't they might not move very much they might be quite small if you're if you're kind of short and they might just have a low total daily energy expenditure so they naturally don't need as much food as you do um but yeah, it could it could well be genuine physical hunger um, when you're waking up and feeling starving immediately. Um, it could just be habits and your general routines and the fact that every other day you eat first thing when you wake up. So your your body is kind of used to that routine. Um, and it could just be that you are kind of thinking about food. Um, food is on your brain all day, every day because you are overthinking it a little bit because um, which could be due to restriction, could be due to just diet culture and society and all sorts of things but I would just say don't don't beat yourself up like it doesn't sound like you're beating yourself up but don't feel like you're the weird one for eating three meals a day plus snacks like that is not abnormal the majority of the world eat three meals per day maybe not the world the majority of the UK anyway um will eat three meals per day and uh, probably I don't know two to three snacks for example um and yeah everybody's very different it's someone that is very active that is quite tall that um and yet just down to like metabolism and genetics and stuff like that like some people do just need to eat more than others and that is fine and you should never feel bad about it or try to change the way that you are um but yeah send me a message sophie if you want to follow that up a little bit more um because i feel like there's lots of kind of different the answer to that question will depend on lots of circumstances so I don't want to go on about it for too long <laughs> she says after 10 minutes <laughs> um right anyway last question if you are unwell and can't work out or do many steps for a few days should you drop your calories um I would say eight times out of ten no I guess it depends on the like illness and um the reason that you're not able to do many steps or work out you know um but generally even for an injury or just for any any sort of illness like your body needs that fuel to be repairing and regrowing and recovering so um i would just say most of the time keep calories the same if you are someone that is normally extremely active and then you go from being extremely active to extremely inactive then yes you probably will need to reduce calories but you probably also just will want to naturally your body will if it's expending less energy then it's going to need to consume less energy so you probably just will maybe just reduce your serving sizes or um so that your habits don't really have to change um but yeah so if, if you 
are having like drastic changes made um, or if it is more than the few days that you've said um, then yeah it might be worth dropping in that situation but I think if it's just a few days and you're just fighting off a cold like most of the time if you've got any sort of fever your you will notice your heart rate is higher and it is like the research does suggest that your BMR is increased when you are like fighting a fever um so I would say most of the time your body needs that fuel to be getting better um so yes I would say most of the time go for it but again it's one of those that like the answer to most questions it depends it depends how active you usually are it depends how active you are now I'd say if you're kind of like daily steps are reducing from like more than 10 to less than five so I guess more than 50% drop then um it might be worth considering it um feel free to drop me a message on the app if there's like specific questions for you but I would just say if it's a few days and it's a cold and your body you know you can tell that your body's just trying to fight a bit of an infection then um it's probably just good for you to be eating the same amount and fueling that recovery um so yeah I think that is the answer to all of those questions if you would like to join the Fuel and Thrive Academy head to my Instagram at fitfoodiefeed or at fitfoodiecoaching underscore and drop me a message or check the links in my bio and if you're not on Instagram you can head to linktree so that's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash fitfoodiefeed and foodie is with an i-e if you want to find out more